You thought you'd gotten rid of us, didn't you? But you were wrong, old Bean. Because we're back with a vengeance. From studios in Hollywood, California, rural southern Indiana, and the hinterlands of North Dakota, this is the Live, Laugh, Golf Podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Desert Duffer, OTB Lefty, and Jay Score. Welcome back to the big show, folks. Duffer here. Before I introduce my co-hosts, OTP Lefty and J-Score, a little house cleaning to do. We did have a contest, contest for some live merch, and it has been won. So we want to make sure the winner gets his or her hat. Super Momus, you're the winner. You picked DJ to win Live Chicago. He didn't do it, but he did finish T2. So you're the winner. However, we don't have any contact information for you. So please reach out to contests at livelaughgolf.com. Let us know which hat you want and where to send it, and we'll get it. With that, a lot to talk about tonight, mostly President's Cup. We love the President's Cup around here. Nobody cares about the President's Cup. Somebody might. Maybe OTP Lefty. Maybe J-Score. J-Score, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well, Duff. Thanks for asking. Uh, It's been a nice weekend this weekend. Fall is in the air up here in North Dakota. Things are crisp. Playing a little bit of golf. I love fall golf up here. Feeling great. I got to even catch a little bit of the action, which I'm excited to get into. And uh, yeah, excited to be here. OTP, how about about you? How, how, How have you been? Wonderful weekend celebrating birthdays all around my uh, friends and family. Uh, Friends last night, my dad uh, today uh, caught some President's Cup action with him. Got some takes. Love to hear that. Love to hear. Love to hear it when my co-hosts have actually watched the golf. Really, it really helps the show. (laughs) Well, I mean, I got some takes from Dad that you guys are really going to love. Well, you maybe should lead off with your takes because I listen. Everybody knows how I feel about the President's Cup. It's similar to the way I feel about the Ryder Cup. It's not my jam. This isn't my stuff. Do it. (laughs) Do it one more time. (laughs) Nobody cares about the President's Cup. But some people do. We hear that some of our listeners are actually interested in this particular exhibition. So we're going to talk about it. Clearly, I'm not going to have a whole lot of positive stuff to say. So that's why I'd like to let you lead off. Maybe did you was there something that you liked that happened this week? There were a, a bunch of things to like. Love it. One is a playable golf course where people made some birdies. Quail Hollow, much maligned. But during a lot of these matches, players went on big runs. If you look at the hole-by-hole scoring, a couple of times, Spieth made three, four birdies in a row. Homa makes three, four birdies in a row. Sebastian Munoz went insane on the back nine playing against Scotty Scheffler today. Like That kind of stuff is fun. They don't set the golf course Yeah, it's fun for some people. You guys probably liked it. I can't tell you how much it hurt me to see Jordan Spieth play well this week. And he, I, I can't deny that he did play well overall. Also, Quite like the well. sick, the, the sick joy of seeing grown men wearing granimals clothing um, on the American side. Just love it. Just a, that's another. Sh- that's wh- another reason why nobody cares about these events. <laughs> yeah, all the bl- all the blue pants and white shoes. I just love it so much. You know, we, when we talk about the the team aspect of the live golf stuff, and we talk about the clothes that they're wearing, please don't all wear the same clothes, man. I just can't take it. No, that's not a good look unless you're. Adam Scott, you look good no matter what you're wearing. You you just look like a dork wearing the same clothes as your buddy. So you it, I, honestly, I think this year things looked. I don't have any complaints about the about the uniforms this year. I think things were generally under control, pretty crisp, pretty traditional. 
pretty basic, nothing inventive or offensive. I do. I am a little offended that Duff thinks Adam Scott dresses well because I've always sort of thought he just I, is very, very bland. I, and I don't think he. And, like, I don't think he wants to blend well. into the. You don't wrap the Mona Lisa in a neon light. Listen, I don't think he dresses well. All I'm saying is he looks good in no matter what he wears. And I will point out, I don't. You clearly didn't see this, J Score, but after the international team's excellent, frankly, performance yesterday, they came into the team room. And they were when Adam Scott came in, he was met by his wife who said, clearly all he needed was beige. <laughs> like this is a real thing <laughs> that Adam Scott feels like he can't perform unless unless he's in various shades of tan. I love that. It's wild. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. I, I do love that. They there were a couple of good fits on the international side. A black on black is tough unless you're matching. Oh, and the material. Prints. What was the material with that? Uh, with the, we'll talk about Who the could shield. Ah, oh, God, I hate the shield. I can't. The the shirt full of shields was a piece of shield. <laughs> that was just a big old black piece of shield. Just polyester um, rayon. Just uh, awful. But, just but the really logo, didn't look good. But the logo is a good thing. Okay, we're gonna, well, thing. we're going to talk about that because I could not disagree any more vehemently. But we'll, we'll get to that. Let's we're going to stay positive for now. So far it sounds like we kind of like the course, which we see all the time. Yeah. And we kind of liked or maybe weren't super offended by the outfits. Any other positives? Anything having to do with the play of golf this week? So I want to say ma- match play alone. Like again, like when I see these exhibition of events and I see match play, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Like it's so much more interesting as far as golf goes in general. Fair enough. Stroke play is a snooze fest. Match play is a huge success. I need to see more of it week over week. I I'd love to see Live incorporate it more into well, the, you're going to. the schedule. You, we'll see, but well, I mean, you you're going to. You know where you're going to see it. You're going to see it at the team championship at Trump Doral at the end of the season. That is going to be a phenomenal event. It's unclear how exactly they're doing the match play, but the materials that we've gotten from Live Golf say that it's going to be match play throughout the tournament. So those four days are all going to be match play matches, team by team. I, I don't know how they're going to work it, but can't four wait for days that. of match play. Yeah, that's, super, that's wild. Super fun. Uh, the other part is like getting to see players that thrive in the environment was positive. This is a chance to not be bored to death by Xander Schauffele and Patrick Cantlay <laughs> because they are absolutely Michael Anthony and Eddie Van Halen when you get them out there. I mean, they just. They kick tail. There's also the thing where everybody gets to captain vicariously and then armchair quarterback everything that happens. I mean, I'm into strategy. And every time the players list comes out or they pick the pairings, I think that's dope. They don't do the envelopes and the matching of the boards like they do at the Ryder Cup, which is completely yeah. stupid. Yeah, you should let me jump in with the one – I think that's probably the one positive thing that I do have to say about the President's Cup. And admittedly, it's only relative as compared to the Ryder Cup. But the fact that the captains get to match the pick makes all the difference. I mean, it's so stupid just blindly putting your teams out. I don't – you know, there's no reason that the Ryder Cup has refused to change to that concept except that they feel like they'd be copying and it's just such the golf mentality that they refuse to accept innovation and change when they see things that are better because they're afraid people will say well you copied yeah you should copy things that are better 
Yeah. Let the best of the best survive. That's the thing. Like I like just keep keep evolving, keep the most entertaining parts of the game at the forefront and make it accessible. It doesn't need to be anything more than that. And that's again like the the smaller field, the more emotive players, the access. To me, those are all positive things at exhibitions like this. And, you know, I, again, I didn't watch a boatload of it, but uh it's much more entertaining to see match play and a smaller field. 100%. Like the mono a mono aspect of it is the thing that we all understand because we play matches at home. That's what we do. You get one guy, you get four guys, you play better ball, whatever. I mean, in Indiana, there's not much alternate shot going on. There aren't too many sickos that want to do that. It's fun and we can relate to it. Like positioning matters so much to us or like, you know, never being out of the hole. And then you get to see match play played with incredible talent and guts and huge crowds and all that stuff. And it's beautiful. Shoffle today hits the shot of the entire day, that third shot, after dropping out of the hazard. He, after the side hill lie, hits this amazing shot from like 200 yards to 10 feet. It's like, yes, unbelievable moment. Great stuff. All right. So if we, didn't men- if we didn't mention, the final score was 17 and a half to 12 and a half. Oh, it was wasn't. never, it yeah, was it never close. in depth. Never close. It, it, can we can we get into some of the uh the one of my, one of the gripes I have is the coverage and the constant talk that the the internationals were knocking on the door like every every match was just you know just it could insufferable they could, they could come in insufferable come in. So like, and since the the completion of this tournament four or five hours ago the spin doctors have just been working overtime Jamie Weir is out there Jamie Weir got Jamie Weir we're, we're gonna we may do a whole haters and losers on Jamie Weir at some point. But the guy is just awful. And the spin doctors just running with the idea that this international team really did something special out there in getting whooped 17 and a half to 12 and a half <laughs> just grinds my gears. Crushed. I mean, it's like everybody thought the U.S. would shut them out or something. I mean, that's not how golf works. These are all professional golfers, right? I mean, it's not a shock that Scotty Scheffler can lose to a guy who's ranked 40th in the world in match play. It's so absurd that we're pretending that this was a competitive event when it was eight to two after the first two days. And, you know, that's another thing. The fact that this thing is dragged out for four days, they play just five matches on the first day and five matches on the second day. Give me a break, okay? This thing was over by Friday night, and everyone who pretends that it wasn't is fooling themselves, but they're not fooling me. What they're doing now, this sort of lionization of Trevor Immelman. Immelman's a hero because he didn't get to play with Cameron Smith, who's number three in the world. He didn't get to play with Joaquin Neiman. He didn't get to play with Louis Oosthuizen. What did Trevor Immelman do? Did I want to know if Trevor Immelman went to the PGA Tour brass and said, I want these guys on my team. These guys deserve to play. Cameron Smith broke no rules. Louis Oosthuizen did nothing wrong. I know that he didn't. So I'm just not buying this, oh, Immelman should get another chance in Montreal. Are you kidding me? He got his butt whooped. Duffer, let me ask you a question. Who is the coach of the Washington Generals? <laughs> no idea. No idea. My point. Yeah. yeah. Let him be the let him be the captain forever. 
and let so the, I, I don't have much to say about Immelman, but I do have a few things, so I should get them out of the way now. Early on in the week, one of the most absurd things that I heard this knucklehead say, and God help us all with him now being the number one broadcaster on that network. But one of the most ridiculous things that I heard him say was that for so long, this team didn't know who they were playing for. Were they playing for their country or this ambiguous international team? Now that we have the (laughs) shield, we know who we're playing. The The shield? shield. I can't. It's a clean logo. It's a clean logo. I'm glad you like it, J-Score, but... but no, I don't clean. care that Ernie Els hired a, hired a graphic designer, and now these players are supposedly inspired to play for the Shield. Are you kidding me? And wait, I'm not done. Everything has I to know, start I somewhere. know you guys want to. Everything say some has stuff. to start somewhere. I'm glad you like the logo. I'm glad you like it. But part of the thing is that it was it was inspired by the special operation. What is it with these golfers and special ops, man? Like, like you, Paul Azinger, are not the captain of a special ops team. You, Ernie Els, are not running the Navy SEALs because you hired a graphic designer to create a shield like they have. The pods, Paul Azinger, are not, that's not doing anything for you. It just, I can't take any more of this bizarre obsession of these effete, professional athletes that they just man if only i i probably could have done it i probably could have been a seal I could, like give me a break man can't can't take any more of that nonsense i always just think of like i always just think of like group projects in in school where it's just i don't want have any interest in doing a group project so why would i want to be voluntary uh, part of some sort of committee to try to push change like it's ridiculous the the uh the Washington Generals is such a good comp here. It's well, but what, one what, what, win what in, all... in, in 14, 15 now? It's 14. The U.S. is 12-1-1. But what it all gets down to is this is an absurd made-for-TV event. It's not a real thing. There's no animosity there. There's no continuity There's no cohesion. This is all BS. None of these guys have anything in common except for the fact that they're all members of the PGA Tour. It's just the PGA Tour All-Star Game. And they've totally duped golf Twitter into thinking it's some magical event. And maybe more incredible than that, they've duped these multimillionaire athletes into playing for free. You know what the logo of the international team should be? If Cameron Percy has a personal brand logo, that's what it should be because they're all playing for Cameron Percy. All of these elite golfers are playing to make the PGA Tour money that gets sent to the scrubs who don't deserve it. Cameron Percy should thank his lucky stars every day that Scotty Scheffler is out there playing for him for free every two years. Well said. I mean, honestly, we the welfare tour added again. You know, it's it's uh, you know just Robin Hood. You know, stealing from the rich and giving to the poor and keeping these people propped up. You know, that's the the way of the PGA Tour, I guess. And by the way, don't Can we, don't don't act like this is oh man, that's just Duffer again railing up. These guys really care about this. This is this is important. This is this is what golf's really all about. Tiger Woods. Let let's not forget the Tiger Woods. Back in 2002, we're not talking about Tiger Woods in 1997. Tiger Woods, back in 2002, after he'd already played on these teams, after he'd already won one of these things, and I'm talking not about the President's Cup, I'm talking about Ryder Cup, 
was saying, I'd rather win a million bucks at some WGC than win the Ryder Cup. We should be getting paid for the Ryder Cup. That's what these guys care about. This doesn't matter. And every time one of these guys gets duped into believing it matters, an angel gets his wings. I mean, Rory McIlroy did the same thing. He didn't care about the Ryder Cup. Nobody cares about the Ryder Cup. This is like the biggest scheme. This is Kaiser Soze's best trick, this international team nonsense. Well, I mean, it is fun. It is fun that it's match play and it is fun that it's something different. And, you know, I I, I will die on that hill. It's something different to tune into. You watch it. And I I love that. Yeah, you should totally watch it. And I watched it in the background this week. I watched it totally secondary to watching the LPGA, which I know a lot of people don't get into. But to me, it's a much purer form of competition. And it was clearly the best golf on TV this weekend. But I get it that the fans like it. My question is, what are the golfers doing here? They're just, this is like, I think sponsors tell them, you got to do it. You got to pretend you're wearing the, you're doing it for the red, white, and blue. And that's another thing. You ain't doing it for your country. This isn't a government sponsored thing. You're doing it for the PGA Tour. You're doing it for Cameron Percy. You're doing it for Titleist. You're not doing it for the flag. Or the shield. Oh, no, they're doing it. Yeah, doing it to advance love- their own brand and image, and make a spectacle of it all, and get noticed for the right things. And it, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of performative behaviors out there when when you get to these sorts of events. I would love to know how much of the PGA Tour's take of this gets back into anything that has any impact on purses. Like, does any of this money get diverted or is this just like the administrative Christmas bonus <laughs> biannual raise program? How big of a con is it? Yeah, well, sure. I, I, I'm not, I know that they don't get that down and dirty with their budget in their 990. But at the end of the day, it all goes into the same pool. So a large percentage of it goes to the players, 52%, if I'm remembering correctly, which is all well and good. But is it worth it? Is it worth it to Scotty Scheffler to embarrass himself as the world number one, the PGA Tour player of the year. Is and he dead? Did he I, die? <laughs> what happened to Scotty Well, Scheffler? you know, Scotty Scheffler, listen, he he's won a ma- he won a major this year, okay? He was the PGA he Tour. He was hot. He was so hot yeah, there. Listen, he's a great golfer. You want to ask somebody who's dead, somebody who never lived, then we can talk about Billy Horschel, who after waiting <laughs> 15 years to make one of these teams – only got one point riding on the back of Max Homa, beating the inept Canadian team of Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith. Billy Horschel, Big Mouth Billy, got his first team point, which now, of course, matches his career total of major championship top tens. Congratulations, Billy. Well done, sir. <laughs> Number 15 in the world. Give me a break. Man, you're just racing down the side of the interstate for 40 miles to get to the rest area, and you finally get in there, and you can't squeeze a drop. <laughs> Uh, but speed. Sam, Bur- Sam Burns was another big disappointment. I thought. Um, I I remember like watching today. It was. It felt like he was like gonna do something big. And 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 oh three and two. Not not exactly what you wanted to see. But the coverage made it sound like he was. Oh yeah, he's a, a moment. He's there, a future like. star. And as we know, we we love to hear about the friendships between these multimillionaire athletes. And Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler are really good friends, which apparently is why they had to play together all three times and not win any points. It's amazing to me that Scotty Scheffler, the number one player in the world, 
got sacked also in, the, in the final team competition of this President's tough. Cup. Just just a tough scene for those guys. But we do. I need to give it up to Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. They had it going on. They went 4-0. And Jordan Spieth went 5-0. He becomes the sixth yeah. player to win all five points. Now, there have only been 14 events, okay? He's his sixth player. <laughs> and he's the first player to go 5-0 and in the President's Cup since. Who do you think was the last one? Any idea? In 2015. Anyone? Going once, going DJ. twice. Live player, Brandon Grace, was the last player to go 5-0 and in the President's Grace. Cup wow. in 2015. Last American to do it was cool. Jim Furyk in 2011. So, you know, Speed okay. did his thing. But I got – okay, so I got another gripe. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me, I know this is a real old man yelling at cloud thing, but the ubiquitous yell in professional golf, and it may be throughout pro sports now, but it just drives me crazy. It's become a pet peeve. Whenever you do something well, hit a big putt, make a big shot, your team wins, let's go. That's it. Let's go. Maybe the occasional let's effing go. That's the only chant that we have. I, when did this happen? When did this become your only choice for an exclamation of excitement in sports? Oh, I totally agree. Could not agree more. Okay. I think all the hot dog stuff is ridiculous. I've told people for 25 years that if I played at the same time as Tiger, and I was at that level. The very first time he did that big fake uppercut thing, we go right over to the edge of the green and we talk about what we're <laughs> going to do the next time we make a birdie but, but and how thing. we're going to act. You're pros. You're playing to the crowd. It's freaking baloney. Be a grown-up. You're supposed to make birdies. Just make birdies and walk to the next tee like you're an adult. Act like you've been there before. I, absolutely. And that's a legitimate old man beef, and I'll sign on to that with yeah. you any day, OTP. Same. Cosign. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, but, but, you, both, you both respectfully are wrong here. You need to both take the L. You're wrong. Okay. I, I can, Let's go. And, Let's go is perfect. It's been perfected. No, 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 that's so, why it's all that's left, Duff. That's where you're it's, wrong. It's, it's, so here's the thing. No. I'm, I'm it's with, perfect. I'm, it's the perfect thing to say in the perfect moment, and it's it's perfected. If it's, everyone it's says it. Argument over. If I, everyone says it it's not the perfect thing so i grew up on the hard scrabble streets of metropolitan boston in the 70s and 80s okay we occasionally had successes we occasionally had contentious battles in athletic competitions you know what we didn't say every single time let's go sometimes it would be an f yeah sometimes it would be a come on sometimes it would just be a yeah and you can look it wasn't just in Boston, if you look at NBA competition, for example, in the 80s and 90s, you're not going to see everyone saying, as if controlled by some puppet master, let's go. It's so tired. It's so boring. You want to be a big personality. You want to show you got the big newts. Come up with something unique. I'm so tired. Whether it, Tom Kim was born in South Korea. Tom Kim, that's what you got? You hit a big putt to win a match? You give me let's go? Come on. I agree. I would like to see the bow. I like that one. Like, thank you very much. Like the little Johnny Carson, I'll, maybe. I'll tell you, I watch I, – occasionally I watch the the foreplay guys in their YouTube videos playing scrambles against each other. I'd rather watch Frankie Borelli do his little pants lift after he makes a putt than see another one of these guys yell, let's go. Okay. It's so tough. Now I know you're just <laughs> off the rail stuff. You need <laughs> You need it. <laughs> So you need to calm down. Duffer, what's your alternative? Always provide 
always provide an alternative. What would you like to see? I used to, I, I was a big proponent of what's up, what's up now, what the F is up. Like, like oh, I'm asking you a question. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not exclaiming let's go to some random unknown. It's forward, yeah, it's yeah. I'm asking like my it. opponent, what, what do you have to say to that? We can yeah, do exactly about how the turntables have turned. So anyway, I'm, I'm uh, tired of that. But but I wanted to get into it. the other thing was this: Justin Thomas played great. Of course, he you know oh, he tanked it in the singles, gosh. right? Antics too far, too far, <laughs> and beyond that, we all forget that Justin Thomas, hero of the PGA Tour, is a guy who exclaimed a homophobic slur on the golf course not two years ago, and it was easily forgiven. Well, uh, okay, maybe you don't think that Justin Thomas is anti-gay. Maybe you don't want to bury him for that. Maybe you don't think he should have lost sponsors. That's your thing, okay? But he comes back, and we're in this PGA Tour premier team event, and his first reaction to his partner, who outplayed him, frankly, Jordan Spieth, making a huge putt on day one or day two, is to mime elephantitis of the testicles, Like, there are children at this event, okay? Like, that's the best that you can come up with, JT, is big balls. You got big balls, Jordan. Yeah, uh, okay, man. Like, cool. We love you. I'm so tired of Justin Thomas and his BS shtick. Okay, okay. You're you're a Boston guy, Celtics fan. Justin Thomas is Bill Lambeer. (laughs) Well, that... I can get into that. I feel you, that. You the thing about team. Bill Embiid, well, no, the thing about Bill Embiid is he was universally hated throughout the league. And what bothers me about Justin Thomas is it seems that golf fans, many of whom these days seem to be so morally self-righteous that it just baffles me how they can continue to love this guy. It seems that golf fans universally adore this little punk. I, I can't okay. stand that guy. All right. I'm out. I'm out now. Thomas is the closest thing we have to a, a real killer, someone who is unaffected by the victories that he has. He's still super hungry. He's also the closest thing I have to a homie on tour from Louisville, Kentucky. So I'm with him. You might be a bad I'm guy too. You yeah. might be a bad guy. I like guy Bill Embiid. I liked him when I was a Celtics <laughs> fan. So on JT, uh, go I- JT. So on JT, I think where I kind of net out is is a is a tough spot because on one hand, like watching him sit there and act incredulous that somebody wouldn't give him a four foot putt sort of annoys me, but also it kind of puts wind in my sails and is like, yeah, like okay, I want more of this actually. Um, but for some reason, there's just something about him doing it where I I just feel is torn. It the, is, is it the unabashed sucking up to Tiger Woods? Is it, is it the ass kissing to Tiger Woods' son? Is I think just when I look at the whole portfolio, the work, worst person I'm on tour, kind of slurpish. I don't know. I, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough. Uh, I'm not sure what I think about it, but uh, I mean, I love watching him play, and I think even if it's performative or not, I I respect that. So, good player, total douche. Then we've got Max Homa. Everybody loves Max Homa. Twitter's favorite Max Homa went four and zero in the Presidents Cup. Even carrying Wait, Billy Pip? Horschel to Leader his only win. Clubhouse? Max Homa? <laughs> yeah. Even carrying Billy Horschel to his only win so Billy far Hall. in his career and almost certainly in his entire career. Our over guy. At, 
Yeah, as I said, the Canadians, the hapless Canadians, Corey Connors uh-huh. and Corey Taylor Connors. Pendrith, who were the only two players who didn't Nailed. record even a half a point in the competition. If, if there's uh, Max ever been, went, if there's ever yeah, been, Matt, I'm I'm going now. If there's ever go. been a horse for a course, it's Max Homa at Quail Hollow. Like, take some of these millions of dollars that you're making, winning all these tournaments now, and buy a house in Charlotte. You need to stay close there. You need to be in touch with the Greens Committee and make sure they don't change this place too much because this is your spot. They're going to have future PGAs there. They're going to have future large events. Charlotte's a great market for golf, and you need to make sure they don't change anything because you might be able to pad your bank account by enough to cover that house anyway. Homa's an interesting case. He's obviously was super likable. Remember, he won the 2013 NCAA individual championship. He's a guy with a pedigree. Obviously, he struggled forever on the PGA Tour, and he was a darling on Twitter, especially because he interacted with the regular Joe while he was struggling. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out as he becomes, as he's clearly becoming an elite player on the PGA Tour. Because I... You know, again, Mr. Negative Duffer, I I can see some of this stuff starting to wear a little bit thin once he's a guy who's winning multiple times every year. He's won four times in his last 41 events or something like that. It's pretty good. I don't know if you can keep doing this Twitter thing that he does when you're one of the five to ten best players in the world. You're probably right uh, because you're just going to be too busy and your other obligations are going to pay really well. But also, this is a thing we can't relate to, right? He's 30 years old. So he's got an affinity for the devices and for that kind of community that might not make sense to someone that's our age. I mean, he's making enough money now that he can probably hire writers. So he can have somebody covering it. Like, this is kind of my tone and this is how I do. And you could pay for a Max Homobot that could write good jokes all the time. It's it's risky to hand that off, but Max Homa overall right now is absolutely. I, I hate it. that you said it. I hate that J Score took it pretty seriously. I hate everything about it. Oh God, <laughs> people do that, Duff. We, That's the we thing. Have to, like, there's a whole a, market there, Duff, of people who sell oh, know, off their man. their social media. We may need to cut this section of the podcast because we don't want Max to hear it and actually take this advice to heart. I think my, my favorite that what I was pretty excited about, of course, he had that podcast with Shane Bacon that was good. And I've got nothing against Shane Bacon, really. It was a good podcast. I enjoyed several episodes. I wasn't a religious listener, but I thought it was a great move by Max as he was getting serious about his golf career to step back from that. I'd like to see him do the same thing when it comes to social media in general. Sorry, that's some some old guy yeah. advice. Yeah, you know, no, you're 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 making you're making a soup, and you're adding a little bit here and a little bit there, and you're simmering it as you go along, right? And and a little bit of this stuff keeps you loose, but too much is distracting. And you have to have the most pristine confidence and self awareness and stuff to play golf at the highest level. Like the the kind of blind confidence it takes to to tap down spike marks when you miss a three footer that don't exist on tour greens so that you never blame yourself. So you don't internalize your failures. Those same kinds of things, you don't need to, you don't need any unnecessary criticism because to get to that kind of level, you're already a a good at being an objective and harsh and fair critic of yourself and making improvements as you go. So there's a delicate balance there. Listen, you, you got, listen, at the end of the day, Max Homa, absolutely killing it. I'm here to ride the wave. I'm excited about him. It, it, I good for him. J-Score. He's playing you know, it well. Hey, he's playing look, it well. I, he's playing it well. I got I got no beef with Max this week except for the multiple instances of let's go. 
That's that's it. That's the, that's the only thing I got against Max this week. I loved what he did today against Tom Kim. We're going to talk about Tom Kim. <laughs> Max was three down with seven holes to play. He came back to beat Tom Kim one up. We've talked about Tom Kim on this Tom podcast Kim, yeah. before. After his first Big win fan. on the PGA Door, none of us knew who he was. We <laughs> apologized on the subsequent podcast. We're well aware of Mr. Kim now. He was, in many ways, the darling of this event this week, the darling of the U.S. crowd, at least. Everybody loves him because he let out a lot of let's goes. And even though his team was absolutely getting his butt kicked, Tom Kim was fired up like it was a tie match. He finished the week with a two and three record. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like he actually set the world on fire. But let's remember, he's 20 years old. He's four months younger than Akshay Batia, <laughs> who in many is, circles folks. is a superstar. Tom Kim is out there winning President's Cup matches. Hats off to Tom Kim. Yes, welcome to the big stage, young fella. Like has taken the golf world by storm. Absolutely has. I mean, I, who's to say? I haven't looked deep into what his strokes gain numbers are, how sustainable his play is going to be. Who knows? He's 20 years old. Anything can happen. But it, it's an incredible start to his American career. He was winning events on the Asian Tour. The Asian Tour that's now a, an event win gets you two points, as we'll talk about a little later in this podcast. I'm impressed by Tom Kim. I, I don't know what else to say. I think the book is that he's a little bit shorter uh, than other dominant players. He's not a bomber. You mean he's right? 5'11"? Uh, no. Oh, you, uh, oh you, mean, you mean golf? no. We need no, to no, clear no. something up. There was a mention on, I think it was our last and podcast. somebody's not six foot one. OTP lefty accused me of being 5'11". We did an, I, I did an actual back to the wall measurement. It's, I was six feet tall and something like seven eighths inches. So I will take an apology from you now, OTP, if you'd like to give it. I'm sorry that you're not six feet one, as you asserted. <laughs> All right. So I, w- from- I, w- I wish you high heels and high <laughs> high rise loafers in the future. Heel lifts from, always an option. From an exciting newcomer in Tom Kim to a grizzled veteran in Hideki Matsuyama, one of the big disappointments for the international team was Hideki this week. He got only 1.5 points out of five matches, and he absolutely got his butt kicked in three of the team matches, including the very first match of this competition which was a six and five beatdown in foursomes at the hands of Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. And he was teamed up with the beautiful Adam Scott there. Just a bad, bad showing from Hideki. I met with silence for my co-host. Do you think Hideki and Adam Scott, maybe Hideki and Adam Scott, who have long been rumored to join Live Golf and Many were saying didn't do so specifically because they wanted to play in the President's Cup. If that's the case, they've got to be rethinking that decision now. Now we're talking, Dove. Okay, okay, okay. So, I mean, to to hold out and at the same time, they would have joined late enough that they wouldn't have been eligible for a lot of the, the inaugural season sort of, you know, testing season final event. There's a whole new thing coming next year, of course. Well, not a whole new thing, but you know, full full schedule, full slate kind of situation. So holding off anyway didn't really affect them too much, I don't think, assuming, you know, they were sort of the allowing the canary in the mind, so to speak, to 
go go out there and figure it out. But at this point, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they might be on the phone with their agents shortly yeah, Adam, to talk listen, about Adam Scott got a few Adam Scott got a few points and he got a compliment from his wife and that's all you look for in life, right? I mean, you two of us are married. Well, Hollow's a great course. I mean, I bet he, I bet he had a blast. I bet it was a, I bet it was a ton of fun. I mean, honestly, like And the thing is, wherever that guy goes, the fans love him. And that's I, I'm actually very curious to see and I'm hopeful that Adam Scott will join the Live Tour eventually. Because I want to see how fans react to him. I think it's like, he's like Phil Mickelson if the whole controversy with Alan Shipnuck hadn't erupted. Everybody loves Adam Scott, right? I've never heard a bad thing said about Adam Scott. Have you guys? Uh, certainly not. I mean, has always conducted himself well in the public eye, fairly private. See, in the times that he's been profiled that I've read about it, seems to live a pretty cool multi-continental life between London and Australia and, and the United States. Is it London? Been, I, th- I thought he had a place in, was it Switzerland? I thought he was yeah. a Swiss guy. Dude, probably. Yeah, we'll, we'll that, look into probably that, that we'll, too. Probably that too. We'll have to get the <laughs> fact check. on Twitter. On it. Let us know. I know, there was, I, I know he was Certainly he could afford a third home. Yeah. And 20-some years on the on the Tiger gravy train, you know, one major win. What's he won? 12 or 15 times on tour, let's say. It's been a long time. But a, a sustained career and taking advantage of that entire Tiger era swung the most like Tiger of anybody in the Butch Harmon school. Yeah, I, I mean, at, at Tiger's, I don't, some would say it is peak and some would say before his peak, but early in Tiger's career, they were nearly indistinguishable the two swings, Adam Scott and Tiger Woods, I would say. And obviously, don't listen to anything I say because I stink at golf. But, you know, I still have eyes. Yeah, yeah I, I really think that they're they're both candidates for live in 2023. The part for them that I don't love is that they missed out on the early mover signing stuff. Um, I was looking at some sources today that I'm not going to name because they're not that relevant, but uh, about who's going to be next. And Matsuyama was at the top of the list that they might – rework that plan to do something to get that presence in Asia, uh, in Japan. Yeah, Matsuyama's always, always, he's always been a no-brainer. The Japanese market is wealthy, it's enormous, it's golf crazy, and Matsuyama is a hero on the level of probably nobody else in that country other than Shohei Otani, right? Just and, a, and, yeah, right. And, and, just and, and maybe... And maybe Ichiro, uh, but yeah. but just huge star, and you know that would be an enormous get for Live Golf, regardless of what his quality of play is now. And his quality of play, there's something about Hideki. He just he's a very consistent player. You know, highs not all that high outside of the Masters win. Obviously, has just stayed a very good player for a pretty long time now. So, and mm-hmm. I, you know, Hideki's the guy. I, I think that's. If I had to guess who Greg Norman and company have on their list as their number one gets, with the obvious exceptions of those who seem pretty clearly not inclined to go to the competitor tour, Rory, Spieth, et cetera, Hideki's the guy. Hideki is your yep. Japanese Spieth. Right. Yeah. So can we, do, can we do some live stuff right now? Sure. Okay. Well, We may, we may come yeah, back to this President's Cup, but let, let's go into it. I got what a few more President's okay, so there's notes, a, absolutely. Well, anyway, just a sh- there'll be a short one then. So Greg Norman sent a letter to the OWGR, the Guts and Press, and he, you know, was headed to Capitol Hill to, to talk to those folks about things. <laughs> yeah. And never, and, you know, never a great time. Well, when you're when you're pursuing a, a new 
thing through those traditional channels. Like there's nowhere is traditional media more entrenched than around Washington, D.C. and, and around True. all of those folks. So all of that characterization is going to be negative and is going to be spun to everyone as negative. As far as as OWGR, there's some parts of it that are like, listen, this is just the existing bureaucracy and this is something that has to be beaten, right? And the main way my opinion only that you can beat it is you have to have that critical mass, right? You have to have the you have to have the players that skew the rankings for the other folks, right? We've we've said oh, a couple of times on here that the major championships are completely free. And they can grant exemptions wherever they need to and they have some stated ways that they can, right? Through high finishes or or high rankings on other lists and all of those ways that they cover one another. But there's always been exemptions as granted by the committee, right? For the United States Open, a couple of, uh, a couple of times that Watson, Palmer, Nicholas received exemptions when they needed them for, when I don't know, just historic, historic returns to venues. That's mm-hmm. something that comes to mind. Like sure. Palmer, Palmer in 94 going to Oakmont, I believe, uh, the year L's won, and, and a couple of things like that. So those places are always free to do that. And the PGA uh, of America is free to, to grant those exemptions. But if you really want to flip that thing, if making appeals to the OWGR and trying to homogenize or trying to become part of the golf landscape becomes a thing, then you have to have a critical mass of players that makes them want to waive rules that already exist. Is that fair? Sure. I, I think you're close. I, I think the critical mass, though, is is dollars um, <laughs> and not maybe necessarily players because I – I still think at the end of the day, the players are the product itself and tournament organizers and sponsors are going to be doing everything they can to position the players in a way that makes them the most money. But yeah, I I hear what you're saying though, but I I also hear what JT is saying in that there are a certain number of special players and I, I could give you a list of the players that I would put in that category. Obviously, Tiger is in his own category. And if Tiger goes, everything changes, right? Immediately. R- right now, they'll do whatever Tiger says. You want points? We'll give you points. We'll do the whole thing, whatever. Okay? Now, there's a tier below Tiger, and it's Tiger big gap next tier, right? We all recognize that. And Rory McElroy is in that next tier. And Jordan Spieth is in that next tier. And I would argue that Hideki Matsuyama is in that next tier, in that yeah. – when these guys go, and not necessarily just one of them, but if all three of them went, if Rory, Spieth, and Hideki went to live golf, the powers that be would have no choice but to recognize the new tour on which they're playing, and they would be forced to play ball, and that's what you would see happening. And so that's why I think Hideki Matsuyama is a big tree. It's not the only tree, but it could start the forest falling. I think Hideki is a big time get that, you know, even Cam Smith is not quite the same. Australia is a, it's a market, but it's not like Japan. It doesn't open up the East in a way that Hideki Matsuyama does. Just an opinion. We're all, we're all free. I think, I think at the end of the day, we're kind of saying the same thing because it's almost like talent management, right? I think about, uh, just the commercialization of everything and where we're at. And at the end of the day, what's traded, what's bought and sold. It's, it's those players time and attention and skills at events. And 
I think you have to account for that to a degree. And, and Hideki absolutely moves the needle. And that's the thing about Live in general is being very worldwide, very global, sort of having that perspective out the gate could be a differentiator that separates it from the United States-centric PGA Tour. Okay, All right. Cool. Do we have anything else with the President's Cup before we move on and then we can we can do some more yeah. live if you want I got to? A, I got a couple of quick ones. So yeah. Spieth and Thomas have been a, a long-time pairing now. If you think about it, we're no, none of us are getting any younger, and they've been playing on these national teams since like 16, you know, year in, year out as partners, and have actually been – with just a couple of exceptions, very successful. Super successful this week, 4-0. Cantlay and Shoffley, 3-0 by themselves, got sat one time for whatever reason in favor of Burns and, and Scheffler. My question is, if Scheffler's still number one in the world or still on the Ryder Cup team next year, like who are we going to put with this guy? Yeah, so, it's got to be somebody other than Sam Burns. I mean, that that you you're never going to sit the number one guy. It's not like he's going to be a backup player. He's always going to go out there until he loses his first three matches. But the question is, do you keep sending him out there with Sam Burns? And in my opinion, no effing way. You got to give this guy a chance to win. Give this give this guy a chance to develop the confidence that he clearly has in individual matches. Yeah, Scheffler, Burns, and Kisner all absolutely s their peas out there this week, and I I don't know. What that says, other than like the U.S. was that top is that heavy? What you say? Just... I don't have small child. Is that what you say? You say S their P's. I love that we're not. We're it's a family clean. show. I absolutely. Yeah. I want to keep this a G-rated show. But I is that what we use in the J Score household? S- every now S-R-P? and again, uh, <laughs> yeah. Every now and again, we 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 roll that out. Yes. Love was it. there an un, was there an unmet emergency? Love it. We should um, also. I, I want to point out OTP that we shouldn't forget that many of Jordan Spieth's early successes in international professional team competitions came with Patrick Reed as his partner. It wasn't always Justin Thomas the guy. Yes, of time. course. There was there was. Yes, of course. Okay. I mean, we would we would be remiss anyway. Patrick Reed, by the way, I don't know. There's also this weird thing where people like. They might have S their P this week, but in the Ryder Cup, which nobody cares about, but fewer, but more nobodies care about than the nobodies that care about this one. He played his B's off. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, it, it's clear that sometimes people have a good team competition and sometimes the next time out they have a bad competition. But there's a pretty good correlation, I think, with these guys. Some guys consistently perform. Some guys consistently don't. And then you've got the vast middle. It's your regular bell curve, right? Listen, if I got to, I would short Billy Horschel every single time he's in a he's in a team competition. No doubt in my mind. And Justin Thomas, yeah, I'm taking Justin Thomas. I mean, absolutely, it's not a coincidence. Absolutely loved it. My dad today, Horschel, uh, he looks like one of the guys standing in the background on Mad Men. <laughs> he loved it. That, that he, I mean, he's such a little egomaniac. And you, I mean, I call him little. He's probably just over six feet tall. He and Billy Horschel course, and I are yeah. like the exact same height. But he's just, he's got a very little man vibe, you know, uh, in, a, in a way that Paul McGinley maybe seems a little taller on TV. Maybe Golf Channel helps him. Billy Horschel. Now, Billy Horschel, I, I will say you've been flipping and flopping a little bit here. So, I mean, at the same time, you know, you're, you're entertaining, I will say. So, if you uh, decide to be, you know, on camera more and let it fly, 
as a casual fan, I love that crap no, stuff. We're I not, love we're that not gonna nonsense. Accept that t- we're not going to accept that take on LLG. The, I, if I have to, if I can convince my co-hosts of one thing that we need unanimity on, it's that Billy Horschel is the worst. Just, just the absolute worst. Yeah. I'm leaving the door open just to crack. We'll All see. All right. Well, I'm he's work. going as jo- uh, my, uh, my return joke. He's going uh, dressed as Josh Brolin for Halloween. I don't get it. I don't get it. That I don't country get for, No country for old men. Yeah, I still, I still don't get it. We'll, we'll talk about it offline. Anyway, uh, final note <laughs> on the President's Cup is the ratings. We only have Thursday. So, folks, I tried to get a, a midweek episode going on. My co-hosts were just so disinterested in the President's Cup. I just couldn't <laughs> wrestle them. So, you <laughs> That's know, a true no, story. No ratings game this week. We don't do ratings games on Sundays because we don't have the full week's data. But we do have the Thursday ratings the Thursday team matches drew an average of 760,000 viewers and a 0.09 in the 18-49 demo. That's a 21% drop from the last iteration's opening matches from Royal Melbourne in December of 2019. And, of course, those matches were captained and, uh, you know, he participated. Tiger Tiger. Woods, player captain. Also, I should say that those matches were in primetime on the East Coast. However... They were up against the NFL Thursday night football game and an NBA doubleheader on TNT. So maybe it all comes out in the wash. Anyway, it was also down 5% from the last time the President's Cup was held in the United States, 2017 at Liberty National, 803,000 viewers. So we're not trending upward. Maybe it's not that bad, but yeah, Tiger Woods didn't play this year. Tiger Woods is probably not going to play next time. Like You need to get used to the fact that Golf Jesus isn't coming back. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, and neither is Tiger Woods. Scotty Scheffler, I don't think he's going to get it done, right? So nobody cares about the President's Cup. That's all I have to say about the matter. It's tough, and there's nothing out there in sport and or in pop culture that's going to make a change happen. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, th- so, listen, those those of you who liked it, J-Score, I know you love the team play. Congratulations. You got some team play. It doesn't sound like you watched it that much. But anyway, maybe you'll you'll catch some highlights. I, whatever. Of course. The only, the only, the, 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 the last note I have is shout out Siwoo Kim, the only guy with three wins, also beat JT. So I feel like Siwoo Kim deserves only guy a shout on the international out there. team, of course. International. Yes. Team. The only guy yes. on the international team. The, the, yeah. yeah. All right. Congratulations to the U.S. team. Uh, condolences to those who worship the shield created by Ernie Els's design team. Uh, we're moving on. We're moving on to I, this may be a first for us on LLG, but we've got some Asian tour news. Travis Smith. We think it's Smith. I don't know. It could be Smythe. We think it's Smith. It's S-M-Y-T-H. Travis fired a 666 to win on Sunday the Asian Tours Yangder Tournament Players Championship in New Taipei City, Taiwan. The win, Travis's first on the Asian Tour, came with a first prize check of $126,000, U.S. dollars, which is, of course, less than he's earned on any of the three events he's played on the Live Golf Tour. Smith or Smythe's best finish on that circuit, a 22nd at Bedminster, earned him $172,000. But the interesting thing about Travis's win on the Asian tour, much more than his low six-figure paycheck, is the fact that he received only 2.287 official world golf ranking points. 
for the victory. This is, of course, due to the new system of the OWGR that went into effect last month. Before last month, Travis would have received 14 points, the minimum points awarded to a first-place finisher on the Asian Tour under the prior system. So we've talked about this before. There is no way in a true free system that the representatives from the Asian Tour would have agreed to the new official world golf ranking system if they knew that their players were getting cut by over 80% for a victory. There's no reason they would do it. Why would you possibly vote in favor of a new system that will absolutely decimate the rankings that your players will receive? It doesn't make any sense, and it clearly is all at the behest of the PGA Tour and its little brother, partner in crime, You're right the there, DP Duff. World Tour. So I, I just tr- so Travis got on Twitter. He, it sounded like he didn't even know. Obviously, he's fresh off a high of a victory on the Asian Tour. He's in Taiwan. He plays four days, played his butt off, shot 66-66 on the weekend, one by one over a hometown boy. Got $126,000, certainly nothing to sneeze at, but found out that he was going to get two world ranking points. And uh, he he tweeted that it was a joke. And a bunch of other players chimed in. Uh, Ian Poulter, I think Lee Westwood, both had things to say. I don't know how. Yeah. Oh, you know who else? The DP World Tours version of James Hahn, Eddie Pepperell, even chimed in that he thought this was unfair. Eddie Pepperell is now starting. Eddie Pepperell now starting to to realize that. The OWGR changes are not good for the DP World Tour. He's so confused. He's It's good. It's bad. I hate the PGA Tour. I love the PGA Tour. I hate Liv. I don't know. I just, I got to do it for me, Eddie Pepperell. It's not good for anybody except for the PGA Tour. And there's no way that any leader of another competing tour would have voted for these changes if they weren't in some way coerced by the PGA Tour to do so. So... Duff, you're right on the doorstep. I'm going to go ahead and just help you cross that threshold. We're going to open that thing wide open and just say, why? What, what would the DP World Tour have to gain from this? And you're right, nothing, right? Why, why, would, they, why would they vote that way? Well, no they had no game. choice. J- just why- cash and, and a demand from Jay Monahan. That's exactly right. And where, where might that pressure be coming from? I mean, we've talked about it before. We got. We have. We might as well just dive into it right now. I mean, it's pretty obvious the golf Illuminati is at stake here. They have completely decimated subsequent tours to the PJ Tour. You have created a larger gap in the tour while somehow stringing players along. It's a weird meritocracy, but it's not because you've got sponsorships, you've got obligations to fulfill. It's essentially the same thing we're seeing in Live to a degree, except Live is presenting a different format different presentation again i i think at the end of the day if i'm being honest golf on tv part of the reason i haven't watched a lot of golf right now is because i can still play golf and playing golf beats watching golf any day of the week and at the end of the day that's the thing so when i want to watch golf my time is precious 
The Gulf Illuminati thinks that I care about hitting 340 yard stealth nuke bombs all the time with the latest. Well, you thing, do, by the way. J score is long. He's a little bit shorter than I am, but he's a long hitter. It's, I'm playing a 20 year old driver right now. I got a 983K Titleist in the bag right now. Absolutely. When I connect, OTP seen me. When I connect with that thing and square it up. <laughs> well, it's listen, J score, you know that I, I mostly mock your golf illuminati takes but i will say to the extent the golf illuminati consists of the pga tour the dp world tour and the organizers of the four major championships i'm with you i wouldn't call it an illuminati i would call it a cartel i would call it an illegal cartel but i don't like it and it's clearly controlling the owgr and you know we we haven't talked much about litigation because as i've told everybody the wheels of justice turn slowly both criminally and civilly in the united states but to me the discovery material that hopefully will get included in some filings in court and subsequently be viewed by mr and mrs joe public the things that i'm most interested in are things like the minutes of the board meetings of the OWGR when they agreed to this new OWGR formula. I want to know if the head of all of these smaller tours, the Sunshine Tour and the DP World Tour and the Asian Tour, voted in favor of these changes that were very clearly going to harm their organizations. And I want to know if there was discussion and debate on these topics. That's what I'm most interested in. I can't wait to see that stuff. All right. I bet it's in there. I bet it's in there, Duff. I bet it's in there, but I bet it's going to be subtle. You know, it's like it'll it'll include language like strategic partnerships. And and again, like you even see with the DP World Tour, we're going to take the top guys out of your league every year. You're you functionally become a feeder tour. Big picture over time. This is better for you because our branding and our name and our legacy and yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, I mean, everything starts somewhere. And you might be fan, right, Jay Score. You might be right, but but the one thing that gives me hope on this front is that supposedly these changes were agreed to, or at least begun to be discussed, two or more years ago. So this was kind of before really the the Live Tour or the Premier Golf League had really begun to to get momentum in the public. And so we may find a little bit more conflict in the minutes of these board meetings than we might have expected if they had just happened six months ago. So we'll see. Who, who knows? This is future stuff, but it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, so I, I did watch the President's Cup this weekend, but it was on monitor number two. I know that our listenership doesn't love the LPGA as much as some of us do, but I love the LPGA. And for my money, the best golf that was on TV this weekend was the LPGA Tour from Arkansas. Ataya Titicul won the Northwest Arkansas Championship Sunday. It was her second LPGA victory of her rookie season. And she also has two victories on the Ladies European Tour. But the big thing was she won it in a playoff. She beat Danielle Kang, who is maybe, I won't say the most popular American golfer, but in the top three, for sure. And Danielle Kang, as those of you who pay any attention to the LPGA Tour know, revealed at the U.S. Women's Open in June that she was diagnosed with a tumor on her spine. So she ended up having to sit out for a couple of months before coming back to play. She's still fighting through whatever it is that she's dealing with. And for obvious reasons, she hasn't shared all of that with the public. 
but she got into a playoff with the Tyatitical, who is ranked number five in the world on the women's side, by eagling the 18th hole with a chip in. She shot a 64. She shot the round of the day. She's dealing with a tumor on her spine, and she got into a playoff and almost won this tournament. I just, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal TV. Titicle's an incredible talent. Like I said, she's 19 years old. She's she's won all over the world already, for all we know, because will become the best player in the world. Uh, it was just incredible. Took two playoff holes. Titical won it with a birdie, which is how you like to see a playoff one. I just, man, if you're not watching the LPGA, I encourage you to do so. I think it's just just incredible golf. Well, just one question for you since I didn't see the action, but I'm looking at the leaderboard. What happened to Sasso today? 64-65 to open, 76 to close. Yeah, she was in the final group. She played like garbage. Five over, just couldn't, wasn't hitting iron shots crisply, wasn't making putts, just played all around badly. It was the, I think it was the second worst round of the day. You know, she faded. She's a major champion. Like, that's the thing. There's there's some real parody in the women's game. I love women's golf. I encourage you to watch it. The only other golf we had this weekend was the DP World Tour, the aforementioned DP World Tour. They were playing in France at the Kazoo Open de France. Guido Magliazzi of Italy shot a 62 in the final round, 16 under for the tournament to get the win by one stroke over Rasmus Hojgaard of Denmark, a fan favorite. He lost by one stroke. Rasmus was looking for his fourth win on the P- on the DP World Tour. Couldn't get it done. I, you, you can't fault him. I mean, you lose to a 62 by one stroke. Tough scene. 62 is a great round. Yeah, he shot a 68. He, he did okay. Interesting report came out this week that we may or may not have heard about at Live Chicago that Patrick Reed made note on the record that he was questioning some of his treatment relative to entering in DP World Tour events, that not being asked to play in the pro-ams or whatever wasn't wasn't quite fair, didn't seem to make a lot of sense since obviously every other time before Live Golf, uh, when he would make an appearance overseas, there was a lot of fanfare that went with that. And obviously he would appear in press conferences and, and be a, a featured member of the field. We also may have heard some scuttlebutt that there may have been some IT issues as he manages his own schedule that uh, just can't seem to get his username and password to work. Um, uh, just just some minor stuff I may have overheard. Yeah, uh, it's, while ridi- in it's ridiculous that he's being treated this way, especially as someone who. You know, I, again, I don't buy into this whole support the tour or not support the tour. We're not, this is an organization. Everyone's out there for their own self interest. Everyone's out there to make money. But Patrick Reed has been somebody who has, for whatever reason, whether it's for the money or the world ranking points or the fact that he likes to travel and his wife likes to travel, he's been doing this for years. And to suddenly treat him differently is just pure BS. Let, let the guy play the man, Yeah, the man celebrated a, a victory by the four aces with a hurried trip to the airport <laughs> to fly overseas to get to the French Open in time. And it would be nice to have a little bit of respect. And I can certainly understand that. So our thoughts are with the Reed family. Yeah, P. Reed. So he didn't make the cut. He didn't play well over there in Paris. Probably not wholly unrelated the fact that he was treated so poorly, but hopefully he and his family got to experience, uh, you know, the best that France has to offer. I'm a big, I, I've got a bunch of, you know, Bordeaux I like and Burgundy I like, and there's some towns in Champagne that are a, a lot of fun. You know, 
this is kind of a wine focus when I'm in France, but there are a lot of great places in, in France and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe they brought the kids to uh, Euro Disney. Is that still there? Do we still have Euro Disney? Who knows? All right. Anything else? No, I'm good. All right, we're gonna have a mid guys. Are we gonna have a midweek episode this week? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, full, yeah, absolutely. Full, full preview coming. We're of, rested. Of, we're ready to go. Live Bangkok. We'll have odds. I've got plays for that thing already worked out. I've well, got that's a not loser that's not this week, week I, though. That's not this week. I know. Uh, I'll be ready though. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. Big well, maybe, time early. Maybe, maybe we'll talk early. about it. My man, my man, the very least work early. At the very least, you can you can count on a ratings game episode. This All right, week. let's do it again. Yeah, let's do that again. My co-host, you should, you should not be doing any research on the ratings. We don't, we're not going to have any cheating here. This is all – just do it right. Be, be good people, will you? Can you promise oh, I me absolutely, that? I absolutely don't even know where to find television <laughs> ratings on the computer. I, I mean, I want to win, but I will never cheat you. I, I think I think earlier when you mentioned around 750, I want to say. Uh, yeah, th- those are that, Thursday ratings. We won't be talking about that. All right, guys. So we'll, I, we'll I've see got that as a frame of reference. That's it. That's all I got. We'll see you midweek. Go Poosh. Take care. Let's go.